If you want to continue to stand, we have a, the scripture reading and we'll stand in honor of God's word this morning. Our reading this morning is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 5, starting with verse 14 through verse 19. Nehemiah, chapter 5, verse 14. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brethren ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine, besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet... In spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provision because the bondage was heavy on this people. Remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. Lord, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word this morning in Jesus' name. You may be seated. So this morning I'm talking on leadership, what that looks like. And Nehemiah is a wonderful example of biblical leadership. So many qualities, so many attributes that you and I ought to emulate. In this passage that we just read this morning, again, I'm just going to maybe open it up for a, a couple of minutes just for you to, to meditate on it with me and to ask the question, what are some things that jumped out to in this section that we read that made Nehemiah an extraordinary leader? What are some of the things that you see, some of the characteristics, what are some of the attributes about Nehemiah here that distinguish him as a godly spiritual leader? Faith. Faith. Okay. He didn't take. What did Paul say? I seek not yours, but I seek you, what I can do for you. Faith. He didn't take. He was a giver. Anything else that we see in this leadership that Nehemiah exemplified here? I thought I heard something. He got there right alongside of them, shoulder to shoulder. He feared God. Excellent. Anything else? 
There's a lot. We could, we could be here for 20 minutes easily just looking at this passage and seeing some of the things that Nehemiah did that accentuated him from all the other governors that preceded him. God has always been looking for spiritual leaders. And I, I believe that, that God wants to raise every one of us up in some regards, in some respect, to be a spiritual leader. We all have a sphere of influence, every one of us. You might not have a title, and you might not have a position. In fact, those things are absolutely irrelevant to spiritual leadership. I was reading a book this week by Oswald Sanders. It's an old classic on spiritual leadership. And in the very first chapter, he makes the remark about those who are hungry for leadership. And he says, those are the ones who are most disqualified. So this morning, if you don't think of yourself as a leader, you might be qualified for leadership. Moses, for example, didn't see himself as a leader who was going to redeem God's people. He looked for a way out. He said, I can't speak. I don't have an eloquent tongue. Couldn't use that. I made your tongue, Moses. Jeremiah didn't feel like he was equipped to be a leader. He said, I am but a youth. I can't go and rebuke this nation. God said, you will go where I send you and you will speak what I tell you to speak. When Samuel was looking for a king, Jesse didn't even bother, bother bringing little David in from the fields. And yet that was the one that God chose. So God is looking for leaders. God spoke to King Asa. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, he says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect, mature, spiritually complete before him. And then he kind of rebuked Asa. He says, In this, Asa, you have done foolishly. He trusted God when the Ethiopians were coming. And then a small army was about to invade and he went and dug up all the money from the treasury. And he says, you know what? I was there to help you. And I'm looking for people who will lead. During the days before the captivity, the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22:30, says this, I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge that I might not destroy the land. I'm looking for someone who will stand in that gap. And then he says, but I found none. So God is looking for spiritual leaders. Jeremiah prophesied during that same time. And Jeremiah said, run, run you to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and seek in the broad places. If you can find a man, if there's anyone who will execute judgment and who will seek truth. Those are the attributes of a spiritual leader. The church of Jesus Christ needs spiritual leaders. And there are three general areas that Nehemiah exemplified that every one of us can follow. One, that general area is authoritative. Not authoritarian. Author authoritarian leadership is someone who forces you against your will. But an authoritative leader is someone who is able to be trusted as being accurate 
and true and reliable. You think about Nehemiah. He went and he viewed the conditions of the walls. He wanted to be accurate. He wanted to be reliable. He wanted to be somebody that they could trust. And he pointed out all the problems of the wall and all the gates and all the doors that had been burned with fire. He was truthful and he was accurate. People who follow need to know that the leader knows where he's going. He will inspire confidence. I know that quite well because I took my wife backpacking and she says, do you know where this trail goes? And I said, I'm not really sure. Now that didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. Where's Bull Lake, Ron? I have no idea. Sue says, let's keep going. No, she didn't. She says, I'm going to stop. I had enough of this. If you know where you're going and you know what that trail looks like, they will follow. Remember that, Jose. I'm talking to the guys that like to backpack with their wives. It's nothing male chauvinistic about this stuff. Okay. But anyway, you got my point that you need to know where you're going if people are going to follow you. Nehemiah was that man. This is what Nehemiah said. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. You see how Jerusalem lies waste. The gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. And here's why he said it. In order that we are no longer a reproach. He knew what he wanted to do and he knew the reason for doing it. And the people said this. Then I told them the good hand of my God that was upon me. I told them the king's word that he'd spoken. And they said, let us rise up and build. And they strengthened their hands for this good work. So a leader needs to know where he's going and how he's going to get there. Or she, for that matter. The church needs spiritual leaders. So you need to be authoritative and you need to be spiritual. These are just sort of the broad characteristics. Those with academic credentials and natural abilities and charisma can make good leaders. That's very possible, and many of them do. But if they lack a depth of spirituality, it will inevitably end in death. Always, if there is no true heart repentance, no walk with Christ, it will come to naught. What is spirituality? Spirituality is really hard to define. But when you are around someone who is spiritual, you know it. And when you're around someone who's not spiritual, you know it as well. We're told in the book of Galatians, you who are spiritual, you are to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So in that passage, we understand what a spiritual person is. A spiritual person is someone who has crucified themselves. They no longer live and Christ is living through them. And they are walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And we can measure it by the fruit of the Spirit. If those things are absent, you're not a spiritual person. But the church desperately needs people who are authoritative, people who are spiritual. Nehemiah never put his confidence in his position as the king's cupbearer to get the work done. Rather, he humbly 
fell on his face in prayer, fasting and seeking the Lord's direction and grace. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He talks about all the credentials that he had that he could have trusted in. Circumcised the eighth day, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning impeccability. He says, I was blameless. But then he says this, but all those things I count loss for the excellency of Christ. That is a spiritual person. In that passage, he said, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh. That's the kind of leaders we need who are trusting in the Lord and who know where they're going. And lastly, the church needs leaders who are sacrificial. And we see that in the passage that we read today, didn't we? Nehemiah didn't take what the other governors had taken. He took the food that he had and he gave it to 150 others around his table regularly. We need leaders who are sacrificial. Nehemiah 4.17 and Nehemiah 4.21 talks about how Nehemiah labored right alongside of the workers, hand in hand, sometimes a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Nehemiah sacrificed much and walked away from a lucrative, comfortable position to go back to a city that was broken down. What are some of the other qualities that Nehemiah displayed? Under those three broad categories, we can probably fit all of these. But first of all, I think Nehemiah was a servant. And if we are going to be spiritual leaders, we must take on the role of a servant. In chapter 10 of Mark's gospel, we hear about two brothers vying for who is going to be the greatest leader. The other 12 heard about it. They were indignant. And Jesus took them aside and he says, you know what, guys? The Gentiles, they're great ones. They lord it over. And their leaders exercise all this authority, but it will not be so among you. But whoever desires to be chief, he is to be servant of all. And so God in the Bible turns leadership upside down. Biblical leaders are those who serve others. And Nehemiah aspired to serve. When he heard about the condition of the walls, he mourned many days. He fasted and he prayed to the God of heaven. He said, God, use me. I want to go back and I want to make a difference. Leaders must be committed to prayer. We see this in Nehemiah's life as well. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 16. Nehemiah prayed like this. Let thine ear now be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I have prayed before you night and day. So he was perseverant in prayer. So leaders must be people of prayer. Leaders must be intentional. What I mean by intentional, that is visionary, having a plan that is practical and yet challenging. Nehemiah fit that 
perfectly. Nehemiah went out up by night and he looked at the walls, he looked at the brook, he looked and he viewed all the conditions and he came up with a master plan on how God's people could get back to work. Fourth, leaders must inspire others to work. There must be something in that person that gets people up off their backsides and willing and even excited about serving God. And Nehemiah was able to do that. And Nehemiah didn't do it with his charisma. He did it by challenging them with God's power, God's provisions, and God's providence. He said to them, you see the distress and how Jerusalem is light waste. Its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build this wall that we are no longer approached. And what did he do? He told them of the good hand of God. And then when they were so discouraged, this is what he said to them. He says, remember the Lord who is awesome and terrible among you and fight for your children, fight for your wives, fight for your lands for this great work. And they rose up and they built. So Nehemiah was one who inspired others. We don't think of this often in leaders, but Nehemiah also exemplified this. Leaders must at times display righteous anger. Now we also know that anger can disqualify somebody from being a leader. Found that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 when we talk about those who are aspiring to lead a church. You can't be a striker soon to, to lose your temper. But there are times it is necessary for a spiritual leader to display this type of anger. Holy anger, I would describe it as. When Nehemiah heard of the exploitation, when he heard the violations of the laws of God, when he heard that children were being sold into slavery by their own brethren, and that they were using interest on loans, Nehemiah was very angry. He consulted with himself. And then he called an assembly. And he says, stop what you're doing. It's wrong. Nehemiah was very angry. So holy anger is anger over abuses and injustice that dishonors God and enslaves man. Now, on the other side, selfish anger always results in sin. In the passage that we just read today, I think I would sum this whole paragraph up by saying that Nehemiah was an example. You can have everything else going for you as a leader. You can be visionary. You can have a wonderful plan. You can inspire others with encouragement. But if you are not an example to others... People will not follow. We've got to be examples above all else. When Peter was writing to the elders, he says, I am commanding you not to take this position by constraint. I want you to do it willingly. Don't do it for the sake of an income. I want you to do it as an obedient example 
so that people will follow you. Nehemiah, in this paragraph that we read this morning, is a great example of a man who valued his spiritual responsibilities to God, his responsibilities to his brethren, way above his personal privileges and his personal rights. He had the right as a governor to expect an income. He had a right to have the privileges to invest in property while he was there. And Nehemiah exemplified somebody who said, I am going to give up all of my personal comforts, wants, wishes, so that I can meet the responsibilities of serving God and God's people. What an example. First of all, he was an example in faithfulness. Look at verse 14. It starts out with the word moreover. That's in the New King James. It could also be translated the word also. And if we back up this passage a little bit, we see that this word is used a couple times previously. In verse, um, verse 13, it starts, Also, I shook out my fold of my garment. Again, the New King James doesn't translate it as the word also, but in the Hebrew, it's the word also. And so it's continuing this context. And we see it again in verse 16. And it's translated in the New King James, the word indeed, I also continued. So he's continuing this, this argument of why they were to restore everything back to their brethren, why they were supposed to stop taking this interest from each other. And, and, and he warns them that, that God's going to shake you out, like I'm going to shake out this, this uh, my garment in front of me. And he says, moreover, or also, I was a consistent example. For the entire time that I've been here, for the 12 years I was here, I could have easily returned back been a cupbearer, could have gotten out of the difficult situation that we're in. It only took 52 days to build the wall, but in spite of that, I stayed here, he says, for 12 years. He was consistent in faithfulness. And so as an example, we need to just be faithful people, people that you can depend on, people who are reliable, people that you know are going to be there when you are needed. An example also by way of contrast. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 starts out with the word but. So he's contrasting himself with the former governors. The former governors who were before me, what did they do? They laid burdens on the people. They took bread and wine, and then they took the income, the 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule. The word bore rule, the Hebrew word literally means to lord it over. And this is exactly what a leader is not supposed to do. He's not to lord it over those who follow him. He is to be an example to those who follow him. And why did he do it? It was because of the fear of God. The fear of God kept Nehemiah from using his position as a means of gain. Secondly, neither he nor his servants bore rule or literally lorded it over them. 
This is why the contrast was so distinct. He was nothing like the former leaders. I've already quoted Mark chapter 10, but I'm going to do it again just for the sake of showing you what a contrast you and I are to be to the rest of the world as leaders. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, what do they do? They lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, he shall be your servant. Third, Nehemiah was an example. And I think it was Jennifer who said this, that he got down and he worked shoulder to shoulder with the people on the wall. Verse 16, Indeed, I also continued... Hazak is the word that is used in Hebrew, and it means that I was strengthening our hands for this work on this wall, and we did not buy land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. None of them were exempt from it. An example identifies with the people he or she wishes to lead. Jesus, of course, is our greatest example, isn't he? And in John's gospel, he said this at the night of the Last Supper. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For why did he do it? I have left you an example. He was also an example in generosity and hospitality. Verse 17 and 18. Now at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations round us. Now that which they had prepared daily for us was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions. And here's the reason why. Because the bondage was heavy on this people. I'm not going to put anything burdensome on you. The Apostle Paul followed this pattern throughout the New Testament. Paul said, I had the right, I had the authority as an apostle to expect an income, but he said, I didn't do it because I didn't want to be a burden to any of you. And he says, when I was in want and when I was in need, the brethren from Macedonia brought gifts, not on just one occasion, but on several occasions. He told the Corinthians, I am not coming to get what you have. I am coming to seek your betterment. He said, a father doesn't lay up for the children. Uh, the other way around. Children don't lay up for the parents. The parents lay up for the children. He says, and I am as your spiritual father. I am laying it up for you. So this was a pattern of godly leaders. Generosity, hospitality, a regular meal guest of 150 at a time. He put others first. He never wanted to be a burden, and he deferred from his own rights to the needs of others. So this morning, as we're closing this passage, I would just like for us to rate, do a sort of a self-evaluation this morning of your own leadership. First of all, do you inspire confidence in those who you lead? Do people know what you're going to do? Do they know how you're going to get there? 
Second, are you spiritually minded? Are you one who relies on the foolish things of God because they will confound the wisdom of man? Third, how sacrificial are you? Do you put your needs and wants in subordination to those around you? Four, do you inspire others because of your confidence in the Lord? Do you walk with Christ so closely that you can honestly encourage others because you are having a living, vital relationship with God? Are you leading by example? And what I mean by that, are you a faithful person? Do you start a task and then do you complete it? Are you faithful? Are you different from the world by calling out humility? Do you let anger get the best of you or do you get anger over things that God gets angry and then do you try to set them right? It's one thing to get angry, but Nehemiah sought restoration. Are you serving those around you? What comes first? Your wants or your responsibilities to God and to his people? So this, this week, I want you to meditate on these things. Think about them. And I want you to try to pick one area in your life that you say, God, I'm going to get better at this in the area of leadership. So I'm going to go through them slowly again. One is faithfulness. How faithful are you in your time with God, in the Word of God, in your prayer life? How faithful are you to serve those around you? Are you an example by identifying with the people that you seek to lead? Are you generous? Are you hospitable? Are you opening your home up to people? Spirituality. Are you daily walking in the word and crucifying self and sacrificially living? Nehemiah labored right alongside the workers, hand in hand. In fact, Nehemiah took it so far that he didn't even take his clothes off except to bathe. Now, I don't expect any of us to do that. <laughs> but I hope, I hope this morning that you have a better understanding what spiritual leadership looks like. And that God wants all of us, in some degree, to be involved in spiritual leadership. So the qualities, they're nothing that you can learn in a textbook. They're things that you learn by putting your hands to the plow and not looking back. You learn these things by watching others that you respect and desiring to emulate them, 
but most of all, you learn them from following the example of Jesus Christ. Christ laid down all of his own wants, his own desires to serve others. Christ was intentional. He never let others dictate to him where he was going or what he was going to do. He was visionary. He knew why he was there and he knew what he was going to do. When Jesus went to the city of Samaria, he said this, I must needs go through Samaria. In chapter 7, when his brothers said, go up to the feast, he said, you go up to this feast. It is not my time to go up. He waited until the middle of the feast, purposely on the great day of the feast. And then he announced on that great day when the water was being brought from the well all the way to the temple. And he cried out and said, I am the living water. So if I had to grow in one area in my leadership, I'll confess to the church, that's the area that God put his finger on. And so I need to grow in intentionality. I need to be more visionary. I need to be more proactive. I need to be planning. And I need to be practical. And I need to be challenging North Valley Bible Church. So if God has spoke to your heart today, identify one of those areas and pray about it. Meditate on it and ask God to develop that area in your life. Let's close in prayer. Father, sometimes the passages that you have us to go through on Sunday morning are just a history course of what godly men did and how godly women of the Bible and godly men of the Bible made a difference in their generation. God, you've given us a textbook on how to make a difference in our generation. And one of the ways that we can make a difference is by being spiritual leaders. God, we need people at North Valley Bible Church who are faithful. We need people at this church who are a contrast from the world. People who don't grumble, people who don't complain, people who willingly get their hands dirty and don't expect to be served, but to serve others and to give themselves. God, we need people who are not just faithful and contrasted to this world. God, we need people who will just get in there and forget about any titles and just do whatever needs to be done. God, help us to be people who are generous, who looks at our resources and say, God, they don't belong to me. They belong to you so that I can use them to bless others. God, I pray that you'll make us the leaders that you want us to be in the ministries that you've called us to engage in. We pray this in Jesus' name.